Hey everybody, I'm Garrett. And I'm Melissa. We've been married for eight years and have two kids, Caleb and Sadie. Over the last few years, we have fallen in love with the scriptures and are learning how digging into God's word has helped us grow deeper with each other and those around us. We want to be real about our lives, our struggles, and our joys. This is Growing Deeper. Welcome back, everybody. Um, Today we're going to be jumping into just chapter five of Micah. I think... Last week we had a record long podcast. Yeah. I think a record long Bible study. Yeah. Um, and I think we recognize that two chapters of this poetry is a lot, especially for yeah, me. Yeah. Once you to start, once you start around. teasing it out, it just becomes so much uh, information, and that's kind of what the way poetry yeah. works is yeah. that it's a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's only one chapter, but there's so much packed it just, into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so much you can dig into, and it feels like you need to read some of these scriptures over and over, just like to yourself, just to really like, yeah, get it or just let it digest and and that's kind of the and point. Sink that's in. what we're supposed yeah. to be doing with it is like and, reading it over and over and over again, and then as we do that, it just more and more stuff keeps coming out every time yeah. we read over it. So we uh, thought we'd just slow it down a little bit, maybe not have an over an hour podcast. We'll yeah. see how that goes. And yeah. then, um, and just do one chapter today. Yeah. Um, before we jump into that, we want to do our normal kinds of questions and stuff. So we thought we'd start with uh, kind of a silly question. Yeah. So what was, or what were some words or a word you couldn't <clears throat> pronounce as a child, so you made up your own? So I I guess it wasn't something that I necessarily made up on my but uh growing up the my mom worked really hard to get me to try to read. Like that was something that was really hard to get me to do. Um and the first books that I ever read and I was like infatuated with them was the Harry Potter series. And I, you know, so I, I read The Sorcerer's Stone and I just immediately fell in love with it and I just read all the books. Well, if you like, if you think back, like I grew up with Harry Potter, so the first movie didn't come out until after I had already read the first three books, mm-hmm. at least. You know, so it 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 took a while because the Harry Potter series was so popular, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Hey, let's do some movies for it." So there were a lot of books come at, had come out at that point. I think all I I think I read all three, uh, before that point. Um, and so I had spent three books reading uh the the names uh the three main characters were harry and ron and according to what i thought it was hermy one naturally <laughs> so i thought her name was hermy one and so whenever i went and saw the movie which was just mind-blowing to me like after ha- after having imagined something for so long uh, and like had different things set up in your, like, I can't even remember what my mind perceived. Right. It's so interesting to think back to that of like, I wonder what, You're like, who's I, this new character, Hermione? No, well, what is she doing well, in just here? in general, I'm talking about like imagination of like, oh, what did yeah. I perceive Hogwarts to be like and stuff oh, like that. But yeah. then you can't even remember it. But like then all... it's like, yeah, who is Hermione? Like, yeah. Oh, Oh, that's how you say her name is Hermione. And so I had forever, it it took me a long time to get whenever I would read it that I wouldn't say in my head, Hermione one. Yeah. It was just Hermione one to me. Uh, So yeah, that was probably, that's my one of like a word that just didn't like, 
it was absolutely off the rails of what it would actually was pr- yeah. pronounced, but uh, I had that just like built into me. So for me, I'd have to double check with my with my mom and dad to see how this all started, but I don't know if I just mispronounced it, but instead of saying vacuum, I said <laughs> vacuum, like it had an L in there, and I think I just mispronounced it, but my parents rolled with it, like my siblings oh, yeah, rolled with it. They, I mean, I, like, it was probably an embarrassing, like, yeah, whenever, an embarrassing long time before I realized that there was no L in vacuum. Yeah, when we started like, dating stop. and, you know, and she was like, hey, mom, I need the vacuum up here. I was like, conf- I was just so confused. Uh, You're being silly. It, I, but we jokingly will still sometimes refer to it yeah. as the vacuum because that was just something that I did for a really long time and... Everybody just was like, yeah, sure, it's the vacuum, idiot, yeah. you know? Um, so that that was mine that I could kind of think of. Um, so let's do, let's do, instead of highs and lows this week, we're just going to focus on the joy. So we're doing small moment, big joy. So something small that happened that's not like an obviously like, wow, that moment is just would bring anybody, you know, so much joy. Um, so what's something that's small for you? that just brought you a lot of joy that just kind of... Yeah, I mean, so there's probably a couple things that I'm thinking of. Um, you know, so just in the evenings and stuff, when I come downstairs, the kids are like, oh, you know, I can play with daddy now because I'm kind of quarantined upstairs. I, I'm in my own little quarantine in my <laughs> house, you know, just like trying to get work done uh, without being distracted and stuff. So whenever I come downstairs, they know that it's playtime and stuff and that they can, you know, interact with me. But, um, you know, the other day, Caleb wanted to watch Toy Story. And so me and him cuddled up and watched Toy Story. And whenever Sadie sees Caleb cuddled up with me, she wants to come over and she'll bring her little milk, uh, cup and come over and she'll climb over top of me and get on the other side of me, hand me her milk cup, sit down, and then take the milk cup back. <laughs> uh, but, like, both, you know, I've got both of my kids, you know, on the couch with me and just enjoying um, that time together watching, you know, Toy Story, which is just, like, in that moment, so you're like, you're, you know, like, you got a friend in me, you know, and you're like, as a dad, you're like, oh, you always got me, kid, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but then realizing what he gets thrown away and all <laughs> Stop. And so that'll be me one day. They'll throw me away. And um, But anyways, um, so that, and then also um, whenever I get done with work, uh, the last few days, he didn't do it today, but Caleb has been dressed up uh, and ready to go for a run right whenever I'm oh, done yeah. with work. But his dressed up, ready to go for a run is really just in his underwear. <laughs> Yeah. And his, he thinks that they're exercise shorts, basically. Yeah, he thinks they're exercise shorts. And it's just his underwear. So me and him go for a run around the neighborhood and he's just in his, he's in his underwear and his, his tennis shoes with no socks. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so that gives me, that gave me a lot of joy of just like, he kind of looks forward to that. Yeah. He just looks forward to that. And like, he knows, again, it's like with the Bible study stuff, he knows that it's something important to me what and he ab- wants to do that. What about uh, when yesterday when y'all were coming back, he, he decided it was too cold yeah. and then he also so, mentioned something else. What? What we ate. Oh, oh, B is for brownie. <laughs> yeah, B is for brownie. Uh, and so like he, we we basically made it across the street and maybe, you know, a handful of steps down the road and he was like, ah, 
it's too cold. B is for brownie. <laughs> yeah, he was ready to come back and make some brownies. <laughs> yeah, so we came in and B's instead of brownie. running around the neighborhood, we ate brownies together. Yeah. Well, so, that works. What about you? For me, um, he's recently been introduced to um, the Game Boy, um, courtesy of really Garrett's mom. She's brought over all these games. We've had the Game Boy here, um, but... But we all didn't. of my old Game Boy games were at the hat or right. at mom's house, and so she brought them all over. So, and then we've had a Super Nintendo. Yeah, we've had a Super Nintendo for a while and a, a Nintendo sixty four for a while, and so Garrett just out of the since we had gotten the Game Boy, kind of spurred him on to you know do the N sixty four and and everything, and so today I was upstairs with him. Um, watching him play Mario Kart for the very first time, which he was terrible at, obviously, because he's four years old. Um, yeah. But he <laughs> he slipped on a banana pill, and I, I kind of thought he'd be, like, upset or, like, what happened. He just started cackling, and um, he thought it was the funniest thing ever. Um, he was like, I flew in the air! <laughs> and he just thought it was the best thing, and it was just, like... I don't know. It was even like a reminder to me even more so to like look for those small things that bring yeah. you joy. And because he was seeing joy and like the level of joy that he had when that happened was just like intense, mm-hmm. but amazing. Yeah. Um, all right. So moving on to maybe a more serious thing, maybe yeah. not, is um, what is your favorite quote? And I think... We're thinking we might have one of the same ones. Yeah, we're not sure if we have the same one or um, not. So I'm gonna, you're gonna go first. Yeah, I'll yeah. go first. And mine is from Lord of the Rings. Okay, I figured that would be the case. And um, it's at a time when Frodo and Gandalf. Okay, I knew you would pick this one. This okay. is one I thought. Yeah. Um, if you don't know Lord of the Rings, you need to go watch it. You need to correct quarantine. that immediately. <laughs> This is something that has to happen. You need to watch the Lord of the Rings. If you don't have access to it, we can drop it off at your doorstep. Yes. Um, Skip the Hobbit. Don't watch the Hobbit. You can read the Hobbit. Read read the Hobbit. It's great. Lord Lord of the the Rings Rings movies amazing. You need to go see it. It's uh, incredible, Uh, and it lives. Man, it it just continues to, just lives in my heart all the time. Go ahead. So there's a there's obviously the bad situation happening in the book. Mm-hmm. Ant slash movie because I haven't read the books. So. Yeah, um, but um, Frodo says to Gandalf, "I wit, I wish it need not have happened in my time." Said Frodo. So do I. Said Gandalf. And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given given to us. And I just that has always been something that has stuck in my head of like. Yeah, there's so many things that are out of my control. There's so many things that can happen to me. But that's like such a reminder of um, how am I using the time that I do have? Am I using yeah. it the way that I that I should be? The way that God wants me to use it? Um, I just, I've always gone back to that quote. And just that has always been one of the most meaningful parts of even the movies to me. Of just you know just that idea of yeah yeah making if, the most if of i the remember time. if i remember right in the books it's right it's right at the beginning when he's realized he has the ring um and he is talking with gandalf about what needs to be done and he's like i'm willing to go 
and do whatever it is you ask of me. But I, you know, like I wish, I really wish this that hadn't come to me. Yeah. And and Gandalf is just like, yeah, me too. You know, like I, I really wish that's the case, but that's just not where we are right now. And yeah. we have to figure out what to do and we have to do something about it. And so like Frodo is like frustrated that it's, it has come to him, but he's also willing to take that step forward. Yeah. Uh, and, and carry this burden yeah, that's the ring. That's what this whole story is about, is him carrying the ring and what he, you know, how they deal with it. And so it's like on the onset, like, of like, I wish this hadn't come to me, but it's like, okay, well, now you, now, here comes the choice. Yeah. Am I going to bear it or am I am I going to run away from it? And I'm, I'm glad we did this question because it's been a while since I've thought of this quote, but this is like a perfect quote to think about for the times that we're in right now. Yeah. Um, with everything going on and everybody being kind of quarantined and not able to be together and people losing jobs and just going through difficult, difficult times, things not planning out the way you want, not being able to have graduations or proms or um, going on certain trips that you've been planning. Um, Like there's just so much that has just really you know, affected all of us in a negative way. And I think it's like this quote is reminding me, okay, we're not, we didn't choose this situation, but what are we going to make of the time that we have? And so Mm -hmm. for me, that's like, okay, well, how can I be really more interactive with the kids? Like what, like what is something that I can do to make this time now something where like, I think my hope is that when Caleb in particular, because he'll probably kind of you know, have a little bit more memory of this time. When we talk about coronavirus in 2020, that he remembers playing in the sprinklers and like throwing that wasn't water so balloons. Bad. He was like, that, that he's like, that was awesome. I went on jogs with dad every night, you know, like yeah. that um, he remembers that as a time where we just like really grew as a family, Yeah, you know. And so that's kind of my hope. And that's this, um, Quote is kind of a good yeah, inspiration. Yeah, you need for you me. go watch Fellowship of the Ring. In in the movie, it happens in the mines of Moria. They they purposely put it in like this really dark location yeah, where yeah. this is happening, and how the hope rises up out of it. Anyways, so yeah, what's yours? Uh, so mine are both of mine are from Lord of the Rings. Uh, I've got I've got two more, was but this, this one was this one um, yours? Huh? Was mine that one was for sure mine? Okay. I I was that's what I was gonna go after. Uh, but because I figured Melissa might have the same thing, I I picked a couple more. One, one the first one here is just in the books. Um, it's it's a quote by Legolas. It's very short, uh, but it goes off. It riffs off of what you just mm-hmm. talked about. He he just says, "Oft hope is born when all is forlorn," mm-hmm. meaning that uh, it's whenever everything is lost that something has an opportunity to spring up and grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and in you know, there's another one by Gimli that's like, you know, faithless is he that whenever the road grows dark that they turn back. And anyways, it's a whole other one. I've said it incorrectly, but uh, if you can go look up Lord of the Rings quotes, these are J.R.R. Tolkien had an amazing way with words and um, he made his own languages and stuff. So he was like, the, Lord of the Rings taught me how to read uh, the scriptures, really, in my opinion. But uh, anyway, so my my quote that I'm going to go off of uh, instead uh, is by Samwise Gamgee. Uh, he's he's one of the major heroes in the book. He's not, um, he's unassuming. He he's just a gardener, 
Uh, he's just a guy that had no skills, had no, you know, nothing about him was important um, except for the um, the task that he was given, which was to, to watch over Frodo and to take care of him. Um, and so, and this is, this is a quote from the movies. There's also a whole section in the books that's similar to it. Um, but it says, Sam says, it's all wrong. By, by rights, we shouldn't even be here, but we are. It's like the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered, full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't even want to hear the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way that it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come, and when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you, that meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now. Folks in these stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. Because they were holding on to something. And Frodo replies, What were they holding on to, Sam? And Sam says, That there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. That's a really good one, too. And that is, yeah. that's also like, ugh, good grief. Like these quotes both have so much to do with the time that we're living in now of just like the hope that we have for the future that one, that soon we will be out of this like coronavirus mess and all that. And I mean, I don't know. You do that. There's some good in this world. You do see more stories of people like doing things for others, even in this time. I mean, just the other day, my sister-in-law uh, brought some toilet paper to our door doorstep, just surprised us. Um, yeah. And, and like, I, sometimes these situations can bring out the worst in people when you think about, you know, I don't know. But they also, but they but also, they also bring, bring out, out the best. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a line from, uh, from Mr. Rogers that was like, you know, he, he, he said that his mom used to tell him that whenever bad things happened, you know, that she would, she told him, look for the helpers. Look for the helpers, mm-hmm. um, and you know helped him get it to recognize the good that comes out of the the horrible, mm-hmm. uh, the good that does come out of the good the, the the bad things that happen, and that it's not all just darkness. That yeah. this darkness must pass, um, and so you know I man I get emotional just reading that. So, but uh, that's that's in the uh, the two towers. Um, that's the second movie um where Sam goes on that rant but you know he's just like he's he is the um the hopeful character the one that you know whenever Frodo is just pulled down uh and burdened by the ring you know Sam is there to lift him up yeah he's kind of the light for him and like otherwise everything else is darkness for him yeah so there you go do you need a tissue yeah yeah <laughs> It's just really good. I mean, I I love Lord of the Rings. I think everybody should should watch those movies. Um, you know, the books are great too, but not everybody. It's not for it's, everybody. Yeah, it that it's a, it would be a tough read. Yeah. Um, but anyways. Yeah. So we'll we'll uh, pick up with uh go back to Micah <laughs> if I can All get right. myself together. Um, I know we may have to take a break here. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I mean that's just it. It is just so moving and powerful to me. Um, that whole section. So, but but I think it's perfect. I I yeah. think that is perfect for us going into, uh, into Micah, and realizing the status of where they are. Um. So in four, we we've got in in chapter four of Micah, we went over like all the there's there's hopeful things that are coming, um. That you know, that. Yahweh is going to reassemble the one who limps. Um, that he's going to bring the remnant back together. That's a that's a common theme in scripture, uh, especially it, mainly in the Hebrew scriptures. That's something that I guess we picked up on. Um, that maybe a lot of people don't recognize. You see, the remnant that is a theme in scripture. That is a theme of what God is doing. He's the remnant is the the. It's literally literally in Hebrew. It's the leftovers. Um, and so it, it's those that are, that are remaining, uh, after, after everything happens. And so they've been destroyed by Assyria and they are now, um, you know, it, everything has been stripped from them. And chapter four is like this, you know, all this hope that one day you're going to be, you know, you're going to come back together, but, Israel gets compared to, or Judah gets compared to this woman in labor. Um, and, and we talked about like how all these, like this destruction and judgment and stuff that it's not in, in and of itself, just about the judgment. It's about the rising up of something new and the birth, the birth of a new kingdom of, mm -hmm. of God's people. Um, and so they're compared to a woman in labor and that theme's going to pick up again in this, so I think it's important for us to recognize it. But he essentially says Babylon's going to come, come and take you into exile. But that's not the end of the story. That's not going to be the end of you. There is hope. Um, so he's he's letting them know it's yeah, like you're going into Babylon because of the things that you've done and what you've allowed to happen. Um, but it's not the end of the story. One day you're going to be gathered back again, uh, and you're going to thresh the nations again. It's that same idea of like. Yes, it is hard to go through the threshing, but it pulls out the good uh that's in that's in the bundles, you know, it's in that's in the harvest. Um so that's kind of where we ended. Um was with that that threshing. Um and so we're going to continue and pick up uh this this theme of hope that Micah is looking he's now looking into the future of what what's going to happen after you know, after the exile, how, how is this going to, how is this going to unfold? So you want to pick up chapter five? All right. Chapter five, verse one, marshal your troops, O city of troops for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod, but you Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. When the Assyrian invades our land and marches through our fortresses, we will raise against him seven shepherds, even eight leaders of men. They will rule the land of Assyria with the sword, the land of Nimrod with drawn sword. He will deliver us from the Assyrian 
when he invades our land and marches into our borders. All right, so let's kind of go back up to the top here. He's He gives them an order to muster your troops. Hey, it's coming. Yeah. Uh, Babylon is coming. Um, and he tells them, get ready to defend yourselves, but it's not going to go well. Um, instead, they strike the ruler of Israel with a rod on the cheek. And it's just that idea that uh, Babylon's going to strike you down. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happens. Um, Babylon comes into Judah. Um, they strike them down and they take them off into exile. And that would be the end of the kingdoms. Um, and, But he's not, again, that's not the point here. He's mm-hmm. saying you're going to be struck down um, because of what you've done. But, um, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah. So Ephrathah is like the region. Uh, Bethlehem's a city. Uh, we all know what Bethlehem is. Uh, this is this is primarily the place that Matthew's going to go. Uh, this is the place that Matthew's going to go uh, to say that. Look, think. Remember back whenever the prophet said that the Messiah would come from Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Well, this is it. Um, this is the main and primary mention of it, other than David just being from Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Um, that. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too small to be among the clans of Judah, from you will go out for me to be a ruler in Israel. Um, and he, he's saying out of Bethlehem, really, there's going to be a new David. So he's in this context, in Micah's writing and his prophecy, the way that he's seeing it is that, hey, Judah, you're like, this isn't the end of the story. There's going to be a new David. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's going to come and he's going to rule. Um, he's going to go out from you uh, and, and rule. And, you know, his origins will be from old, from ancient days. It, it's David's line. It's continuing yeah. David's line. Um, and so he's giving them hope in a new David. Um, you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I think something that was interesting that you pointed out was you said Bethlehem. You know, mm-hmm. we all know Bethlehem. And... Until we read this, it had never really occurred to me that Bethlehem would be like a small and like lowly, humble, humble, like outside the outskirts of a more major city. Yeah. And um, just to think about Jesus being born there, I think I've always thought of it as like, yeah, everybody knows Bethlehem, but it's like, really... It's like if I were to like seriously like if I were to go to New York and somebody would say where are you from, and I were to say Udawa, right? uh, They'd be like, what? Right. What? Where is Udawa? Right. Instead of saying Chattanooga, you're right. Instead of me saying Chattanooga, so just the same here. You know, if somebody were to ask where are you from, you'd you'd say Jerusalem. Yeah. Uh, Jerusalem is like a couple miles north of Bethlehem, Mm -hmm. Um, and so. that that's kind of the ma- that's the major city that's there, um, it is Jerusalem. Bethlehem is set just below that. That's where David's from. Yeah. That's where David was living. That's where uh, Samuel went to find David, uh, and he's David is the smallest and the youngest of all of his brothers who is chosen out of the group. Yeah, out of out of meaningless Bethlehem, um, to be uh, the ruler of Israel. I mean, like obviously we knew. Jesus was born into like humble beginnings mm-hmm. from just the, you know, being born in a manger and not having room in the end to, you know, like surrounded just with the animals outside, you know, I mean, but this takes it a step further for me. Yeah. And it just reminds me too of 
Jesus's pursuit of those who are on the outskirts mm-hmm. and um, seeking those who don't necessarily fit into like a popular or a, I don't know, a certain mold. Yeah, no, and, and I think it's very much in line with the character of Yahweh that this is this is the God who takes the nobodies and makes them somebody. Yeah. Um, and he, I mean, this is a theme through all the king, all the Kings, you know, it's like, uh, think about even Saul. He's like, who am I? You know, like I'm from a meaningless group. A Gideon would be that way. I think if I remember correctly, um, but they would be nobodies in their group. Um, you know, it, Saul, it, it, whenever everything was going okay for Saul, I mean, he was just like, why I'm, I'm from Benjamin. You, you don't remember like Benjamin was like wiped out. The clan, you know, tribe of Benjamin was wiped wiped out at the end of Judges, um, and so they were nobodies. Um, and he's saying, "Why would you choose me? I'm, you know, I'm I'm a nobody." Um, and so the same for for Gideon. Um, and uh, yeah, so I I think that this is a theme of Yahweh that he just chooses out of the the nobodies and he makes them somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, he he uplifts the humble and brings down the proud. Yeah. Um and so he's using humble Bethlehem um to be the one through whom the new David will come. Yeah. Um and so and also it's mo- I'd say it's more so saying that hey there's going to be a new David. I think Matthew sees it as like wow, that was very uh specific uh yeah. that this Messiah actually came out of Bethlehem. Yeah. Um so and this is the only place you're going to see it um that the Messiah would come out of Bethlehem. So these yeah. are the things that the wise men are they're looking back at this and being like, oh, that's where the scripture said that. Um, and what takes them to Bethlehem in the first place. Yeah. So, yeah. So he's saying there's going to be a new David. That's your hope. Uh, there's going to be a new David. And and he will, you know, therefore he will give them uh, up until the time of she who is with child has given birth and the rest of their of his brothers will return to the children of Israel. Um, and there we remember the that this should recall... What the imagery that we saw in chapter four of who is it that's in birth pangs? Well, it's Israel um, that's in birth pangs, and she's going to give birth to this uh, to this one who's going to lead them out. Um, it's the release. Whenever this person is born, it's going to be a a new time uh, that the kingdom will return, um, and that all of the brothers of Israel will return, meaning the exile will end. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's important imagery. That's that's very important imagery to, uh, to Matthew. Matthew is like, yeah, you know, for him the exile didn't end until Jesus was born. Um, mm-hmm. And if we look at Ezra and Nehemiah, I mean, they would return. They would return from from exile in Babylon, but it would never really feel like they had ever the, the glory never really returned to Israel. Um, and they wouldn't rule themselves except for the Maccabean revolt, um, and you know, which is a very short amount of time, and then Rome would take them right back over, um, and then you find that's where Jesus comes on the scene, um, and so uh, Matthew very much sees the birth of Jesus as the um, the end of the exile, and he yeah. he kind of lays that out in the genealogy where he's like, you know, from from the it was 14 from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile, and then 14 from exile to now. And he is making a statement that, hey, this is 
This is the, the, the end of the exile. And Jesus' birth, the Messiah's birth, marks the end of the exile. For me, um, you know, I'm always one who's kind of looking for, like, applications and and thinking about how how this connects to my, how Scripture connects to my life now. And when I think about, and Garrett and I talked about this, like, pretty in-depth the other day. Um, to me, if I were an original audience of this, I might be frustrated mm-hmm. with the idea of, like, yes, you're promising the hope, but how long? Like, yeah. when will this end? Yeah. Like... You know, when you are pregnant, you do kind of have an end date. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you kind of you kind of know when it's going to come pain. to its fruition. Yeah, yeah. And for them, they don't really have that end date, and how frustrating that would be. Yeah. And I think then to our lives right now, where we have this quarantine with the coronavirus and everybody. I mean, I haven't gone into my parents' house since all this started, and those who know me know how close I am to my family and my my mom in particular and to not be able to you know hug her grandkids because they're considered in like the at-risk category because of their age but then also beyond them my grandmother lives with them and she's oh good grief she's 93 I don't know my mom will tell me if I'm wrong yeah, mid but, early nineties. But she's in her nineties is the yeah. point. And yeah. so um she really and she's on oxygen mm-hmm. all just normally. And so she just they are really doing the extra things to try to protect her and everybody totally understands that and wants them to do that and that is what needs to happen, but yeah. it's really hard to not be able to see them. And so something that I, I've been asking myself is but how long? Right. You know, instead of focusing on the hope and the promise that it will pass. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of the thing. I'm kind of transitioning into that myself of not focusing on the win, but pro- focusing on the fact that, like, it will happen. Like, it will, at some point, this well, will stop. Well, and trusting, I mean, yeah. I think the idea is that, I mean, whenever whenever I read things, I I think Habakkuk really comes to me with this. Where, um, for Habakkuk, he's trying out for justice. It, 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 we'll do this at a later time, but um, Habakkuk, there's three chapters. The first two chapters are primarily Habakkuk crying out to God and be like, "Why aren't you doing justice?" And then God's giving him an answer that he doesn't want. Uh, basically, saying he's saying, "Hey, Babylon's coming your way, uh, and it he's going they're gonna deal out my justice." Um, and Habakkuk does not like that answer at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately what would happen, um, is that Habakkuk would, in chapter three, he's accepting his answer and being like, you know, I don't like this. I don't think this is cool, but I'm going to put my trust in you because I know your character and I know who you are. And it, it, it talking to Yahweh and he's like, basically, even whenever he says like, whenever there's no fig on the trees whenever everything you know is desolate uh that i'm going to put my trust in yahweh and it's because he he trusts in the character of yahweh that's in exodus 34 that he's compassionate and gracious and abounding in steadfast love and so he's like because you are the god of the exodus you're the god of liberation and the god that that uh that brings 
the slaves out of Egypt uh, and, and sets them free, um, because you're that God, um, I'm putting my trust in you. Um, and, you know, I know that because of who you've been, this is what you're going to be in the future, and I'm putting my trust in that. And so, like, mm-hmm. and that's how it ends. Like, he just, he gets no good answer from, he doesn't get an answer that he likes from God. Yeah. Um, but he ends with this just beautiful statement of, like, no matter what, I'm going to put my trust in you because of who you are. And that's a really hard thing to do. Yeah. Um, and a really hard thing to say, but it, I think it very much, um, you know, Scripture very much allows us and shows us how even, you know, people of God are, like, frustrated with God sometimes. They're like, well, when? When's it going to happen? Daniel does that same thing. Listen, man, we've been in exile for all this time. When's it going to happen? And and God doesn't give him an answer that he wants either. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, I think, and even our Messiah, um, he's sitting in the garden and saying, let this cup pass from me. And he, it, the answer is no. Yeah. Um, so, but ultimately he's like, I know that, I know who your, what your character is and that you will redeem me. Um, and ultimately he does. The end, the end of the story was not the death, it was the resurrection, you know, and mm-hmm. even in, in the resurrection life that comes after that. So anyways, so yeah, I can understand that. Like, you're giving me, you're trying to give me hope, but it's like, but when? Yeah. You're like, Thanks, but is this even in my time? Right. And the answer would be no. Right. Um, yeah, especially, I think, especially knowing now that it's, this is referring to Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, they, I mean, you know, they didn't know that that would happen. But I think it's just like you have to cling to that hope mm-hmm. of God will fulfill his promises. Yeah. And focus on that instead of focusing on the negatives, really. I mean, yeah. um, I also like how this kind of calls back to chapter two of Micah of when, you know, he was that, that little bit of hope that we got at the end of, of Micah chapter two, where it was Mm -hmm. all so much of, you know, what they were doing and, yeah. yeah, And, and, and what they were doing, taking advantage of people and set like everything they were doing kind of wrong of, um, just like bringing them together, like sheep in a pen, like a flock in its pasture, um, and, and gathering all the people together and just how, again, it's, he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. So just kind of sort of repeating that idea. And, mm-hmm. um, this time now though, we, we know who this is, I guess we knew who he was talking about before, but this is even more like. Yeah. And for Micah, he doesn't know who this King is. Right. Um, I think for us in light of Jesus, we're seeing all this and being like, okay, I see what Jesus it's is Jesus. saying yeah. here. Like whenever he's talking about you know, don't you know all the stuff that was written about me and Moses and the prophets? Mm-hmm. This is one of those instances um, where, you know, man, this sure sounds a lot like what Jesus was doing. You know, he says, yeah. I'm, the, you know, I'm the good shepherd, you know, and, and all of the imagery that's put with him of, of making him equal uh, with Yahweh, uh, the things that only Yahweh could do, Jesus is sitting here doing. Um, he has the strength of Yahweh and the majesty of uh, the name of Yahweh, his God. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, all of this stuff is, is very much in light of Jesus. You're like, oh, okay, I can see what's going on here. You know, this is very much in line with the things that Jesus was doing, um, in his ministry. So, you know, he, he says that it'll be a good shepherd. You'll be the shepherd of his flock and the strength of Yahweh. Uh, they uh, they will live for now and, uh, will be great. 
uh, unto the ends of the earth. And so that little last line, I, I, I think for us, we would recall um, the Great Commission. That's what I was um, just, yeah. Yeah, so thinking. you want to give thought on that? Um, well, I would just um, read the idea of reaching into the ends of the earth, of the idea of like, going and making disciples in all nations Mm -hmm. and that idea of reaching to all the earth. And then also, um, uh, well, I thought I had something else. Maybe not. Of just, well, just being with us to the very end of the age. It's like he will be their peace. I don't know. I'm just kind of putting that all together of kind of like this eternally, this long lasting peace. Yeah, um, and so that the word peace is the word shalom, shalom. Um, and we've talked before, I think in just in Bible study here, we had done, we went over peace uh, whenever we were doing the Advent stuff. Um, and I just want to point out that peace is not just about not fighting with other people. Um, peace is even more so about making amends and working with other people, mm-hmm. um, that we are able to work together to accomplish goals. That is more of shalom than just not fighting with each other. You know, because I think a lot of times we think of peace as just being like we're just not, you know, like we're not at war. Mm-hmm. But even more so, peace is about um, the making of completeness of the humanity. And this person, this person is going to bring the completeness of humanity back to its whole. Um, and where we're working with each other, we're working with the land. You know, like that was like the first thing that was broken in the sin, right? Like the in the garden, the first thing that was broken was that relationship between each other. They were naked and afraid, and they hid from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was the first thing that was broken down. Um, and so that peace is that bringing them back together. Um, and working with them. And then the other thing is like, hey, g- guess what? Like the the ground's not going to work with you because, you know, you're going to be hard on it. It's going to be hard on you. Um, and so bringing that back too. Uh, so basically it's just like that amending of relationship, not just for not fighting, but also for working together. Yeah. So. Um, and then this last little section, um, it, it, it involves the Assyrian. Uh, So as for the Assyrian, when he comes into our land and when he treads on our fortresses, uh, then we will raise up against him seven shepherds and eight leaders of men. Um, So we kind of went over this, uh, you know, what what do these numbers mean and things? What did you gather from that? Well, I, I, when we first kind of went through this, I love that you mentioned that seven is kind of the number for completeness. Mm -hmm. And mine says, seven shepherds, even eight leaders of men. So Mm -hmm. like even beyond that of eight people and kind of even beyond the completeness, I guess, even more than what is complete is kind of that idea. And just the idea that it's going to be even more than you would need to take on. Yeah. Seven's all of them. What's one more? (laughs) Like, Oh, one more plus that plus whatever you need. Because I was like, there's something I'm not understanding here. These like the numbers seem kind of meaningless. Like when I read through that, I think if I was casually reading, I'd be like, okay. And not really fully understand, but it's talking about God's promise to really provide 
yeah. what they're going to need to fight back from the Assyrians. Yeah, and this is standard uh, Hebrew poetry mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I mean, you'll, you'll read something in the Psalm or like in the Proverbs. It'll be like, there's three things the Lord hates. Oh, four things he despises, you yeah. know, or something like that. So it's just, yeah. it's a poetic thing as opposed to being like, it's not literal, oh, there's going to be seven shepherds. There's going to be eight leaders of men. It's there's going to be seven, you know, seven shepherds is representative of like a complete like the the complete leadership mm-hmm. um, that's needed and eight leaders of men. Well, one one that's, plus that. Yeah. You know, like even more. Yeah. Above even more than what you need, need that mm-hmm. are shepherds. Yeah. Um, that are leaders of men. And so uh, here uh, we're kind of getting into not it's not just the king. But it's those people that are executing the king's will. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's going to be more than enough of those people that are executing the king's will. Um, this is the part that really goes out to the Great Commission. Well, I it's think both. Is where you get, yeah, yeah, both of so, them do. So it but leads this into, part, it yeah. says like they go into the ends of the earth, or that his yeah. reign is going to go into the ends of the earth, which is that Great Commission. And mm-hmm. now we see the church start flowing out of this. Yes. That there's leaders of men, these seven shepherds, eight leaders of men, this is kind. Of, I I th- I think that this is very uh, um, much sending out looking, the church. Yeah, it's looking forward to the church who are supposed to be under the rule and reign of this king, mm-hmm. doing his will, um, and and basically shepherding the world on his behalf. I like I've talked a lot about that before, of like how that was what humanity's role was supposed to be. That mm-hmm. we were supposed to be. Ruling and reigning on God's behalf, and so now we see that reestablished, and, and the Assyrian would be the per like their representative of the evil, uh, right. and so basically these people are ruling and reigning on this king's behalf. Uh, what we would think now we've kind of connected that to the Messiah to Jesus the Christ, mm-hmm. um, and so now the church is beating back the Assyrian. That is the evil. Like we're supposed to be keeping, you know, interceding. Uh, for people and being this kingdom of priests um, and pushing back the evil yeah. um, and, and, and basically in guarding, cultivating, we're going, we're taking Eden out yeah. um, and keeping Assyria, you know, this, this evil group. Yeah. You know, evil and, thing. and something that I think is really cool that I would not have picked up on if I weren't studying this with you Mm -hmm. like or just you know like this is one of the benefits of studying with other people and not just by yourself is um in verse six the land of nimrod yeah and um because i think we've gotten to the point where we've heard about assyria a lot and so we know that they're a big bad and to see nimrod again by myself i might read past that and be like oh okay you know but digging into nimrod Nimrod is apparently a person who basically established um, Babylon and the city of Nineveh, which yeah. is the capital of yeah. Assyria. Yeah. And um, so he's kind of responsible for like the big bads. Nineveh yeah. we talked about in Jonah. And so Jonah did not want to go there because of how awful they are. Um and so just to kind of like remind ourselves of these things, I think is very helpful. So I think Nimrod can kind of represent any bad, any, yeah. any from any place, um, because it wasn't just those places that like, it, there were other places that he created that I'm just not as familiar with. Yeah. So if you want to, if you want to go look at it, it's Genesis chapter 10, uh, verses eight through 10. And it says that Nimrod, uh, that he goes out now in the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, which is Babylon. Mm-hmm. It's the same word. 
Erech, Erech, Echad, Kalne, and the land of Shinar, and from the land uh, he went out to Assyria, and he built Nineveh, and then some yeah. other places. Um, anyways, the great city of Nineveh, which comes up in Jonah. Right. Um, and anyways, he he is responsible for basically all the big bads. Mm-hmm. Um, that Nimrod, it, it kind of all goes back to Nimrod is the way that the scriptures would, would tell it. And so whenever they mention Nimrod in the scriptures, it's pointed, um, he's representative of the evil. Yeah. Uh, that the, the people of God are supposed to kind of keep at bay. Yeah. So something again, that's a little more obvious to the original readers of this. Not obvious at all to me. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you're not, if, if you're just reading through this. Uh, if you're just trying to like read through the Bible in a year kind of thing, you're going to go right past Nimrod and you're never going to think about it twice. Um, but it's representative of, of all the evil. And, and this king's people, the people that are underneath the rule and reign of this king and executing his his will, uh, they're the ones that are responsible for keeping Assyria and Nimrod at bay. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that's just, re- that's really important. Yeah. You know? uh, to, and to see ourselves in light of that. Yeah. Um, so you want me to keep, uh, what, which Read one? Read on through, um, seven through nine. Okay. And the remnant of Jacob will be in the midst of many nations, like dew from Yahweh, like showers upon the grass, which does not wait for man, nor delays for the children of humankind. And the remnant of Jacob will be among the nations in the midst of many peoples, like a lion among the wild animals of the forest, like a young lion among the herds of sheep. Which when it passes through and treads down and tears in pieces, there is none who can deliver. Your hand will be lifted high over your enemies and all your foes will be cut off. So I guess what sticks out to you in that? Well, just starting from the beginning, um, this idea of the remnant being in the midst of many peoples goes back to the idea of God isn't looking for a certain group of people. Mm-hmm. He's lo- the people are. It could be anyone. Yeah. Um. Just this idea of they're throughout the nations. Yeah. Um, so they're like the remnant. This little tiny group of people is somehow interspersed among all the nations. Yes. Yeah. I I mean scattered would be the word that I think of, but not in the sense of like that God scattered them. It's in not the, the exile. Sense, right. It's, it's a scattering. It's an intentional scattering. Yeah. As or. Not that exile wasn't intentional from Yahweh, but um, this is kind of a, the exile ended, everybody all of a sudden in Acts shows up in the same place, yeah. and then you have all the speaking in tongues and stuff, and people are like, oh, what are they saying? They speak my language. Uh, and then they go out. Mm-hmm. They go back to their homes. And so now all of a sudden the people of Yahweh are like interspersed throughout the world, um, and you know, it, it's it's that idea. It's not a it's not a negative scattering. It's a right, positive scattering. Right. Yeah. And I think about what dew looks like on a lawn and how it's just kind of sprinkled everywhere, mm-hmm. all the way across. Yeah. Um. And that just kind of that that is kind of a good visual for me of like thinking about like the speci- like the little drops of water that you see kind of all over the place on the grass. Yeah. Um. It almost makes it look like it's covered when it's maybe not. Yeah. Hmm. So like yeah, it's just like a completely and and the thing about do think about do from their perspective. It's something that you just wake up in the morning 
and all of a sudden there's all this water. You know, like it didn't rain last night. Mm-hmm. Um, where did this water come from? Oh, well, it's it's due from Yahweh. You know, it's due from the heavens. That's uh, just a gift to mankind. Um, to them, dews and showers, like they were, they were gifts. I mean, they still are gifts. You know, we just we we feel like we've somehow conquered it, even though we can't. Re- we still can't predict the weather very well. Um, but um, shots fired. Yeah, but. <laughs> Dew and showers, they're they're divine gifts. Um, And so this remnant is compared to the dew and showers of Yahweh. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're divine gifts. Um, And so then that little line, which does not wait for man nor delays for the children of humankind. So you want to go in, how do you understand (laughs) that? Well, I'd almost rather you explain this because this is one of the ones that it I read this verse over and over and I understand it when you say it, but like it's hard, it it is hard for me to wrap my mind around. Um, Just... I do think that it's it's something that's out of their control, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I think yeah. So to so again. I think uh, the point here is that okay, dews and showers they're mm-hmm. gifts of Yahweh. They yes. are not under the control of mankind. We are not able to create dews and showers. Yeah, they're gifts of God only. Uh, and mankind has no ability to control it. Um, and so he's saying, look, just like man has no ability to control the dew, uh, from, yes. dew from Yahweh and the showers upon the grass, just the same, mankind has no ability to Dude. affect the remnant. You know, they're not, they can't create the remnant. They can't, you know, like these people are... Uh, they're gifts of Yahweh, mm-hmm. um, and they're not controlled by humankind. Instead, they are a gift of God. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that's the point, I think, there. It, it, it's kind of confusing to us, but I think the that's what those lines are, are trying to tell you, is that, you know, they're just like the dews and the showers can't be controlled by man, neither can uh, the remnant. Mm-hmm. They're not underneath the power, yeah. uh, the powers of this world. Instead, they're underneath... The power of Yahweh. Um, and so then the, the remnant will be among the nations in the midst of many people. It's a repeat. So that's a repeat line. This is poetry. So pay attention. Each of these two lines, like it goes two line, two line, two line. And like each of them are saying the same thing, just saying it in a different way. You know, the dews from Yahweh shower upon the grass. They're the same thing. Um, you know, just a different way of looking at it. They're both blessings of God. Mm-hmm. Um and so now we're having this repeat, uh, except he adds he adds a little bit, will be among the nations. So we've already kind of covered that. They're in the midst of all the peoples. It's just adding a little bit of flavor to give you more uh, insight as to what he's saying. But now, instead of being dew or showers, now they're like a lion uh, that's in the midst, um, that treads down. And so the, the idea here is that this remnant, this people... That has no power, you know, like physically they have no power. I mean, they're, they're the leftovers. That's what they are. They're the leftovers. Um, but what it's saying is that this people, um, they'll both be a blessing to the nations, which is the dew and the showers, but they're also going to be full of power, um, in that, um, they're going to be like a lion, you know, they're going to be full of power in that they are not to be messed with. Capable of overcoming their enemies because of God. That's right. Yeah, because of his because of his power, because of who Yahweh is in these people, in this remnant, 
they're like a lion. Um, that even though they're outnumbered, uh, that you don't mess with a lion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that's the point there that, um, whenever, you know, the lion decides to reach out its hand, then it does. But, you know, the point, uh, is more so, I think that, um, the, this remnant is going to have a power that makes no sense. Uh, but just like before, remember, uh, the Messiah, uh, the one, this ruler that would come, he came from nobody Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and just the same, the remnant's going to be the same thing. They're going to be like a lion, but they're nobodies. Um, and so instead, uh, it'll be, they, they will have the power in Yahweh to overcome their em- enemies. Um, and so it's giving them that hope. Yeah. Um, that, hey, you know, things suck right now. Um, <laughs> you are in the darkest period of your nation's history. Actually, you're not a nation anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that's been taken from you. Um, but the remnant, they're going to be like a lion one day. I mean, he's trying to give them hope. He is giving them hope. Yeah. And that you're going to return and you're going to be like a young lion. We read um, over this so many times. Yeah. Um, To try to, like... We're able to, I think, go through it more quickly now because of how long we spent yeah. looking at this. I mean, think about it for, like, so this isn't just, so we're reading it from the comforts of our home, you mm-hmm. know, and being like, well, what does this mean and stuff? But think about how you would hear this in the darkness of Babylon. Mm-hmm. You are, you have already been taken off into exile, um, and this has been written down for you to give you hope, um, and you're like, you know, how could we be powerful? How could anything, how could we amount to anything anymore? We're the remnant. Like, our our whole history is destroyed. The, David's nobody anymore. Um, and instead, this this guy is telling you that there's gonna, you're going to be like a young lion among the nations. I, I think you'd just be like, you're crazy. Yeah. You are crazy. This is, like, there's no hope that can come from this. And so that's where the, you're hearing this from. So imagine that. I think we we hear it from the from our comforts, and we're like, "Well, that sounds kind of rough." Mm-hmm. But I think ultimately, it's like remember their situation. They have been taken away from their homes and their families, and sent off into exile. And now they're trying to cling to anything. And Micah is giving them that. Um, I just think it's kind of interesting too of how this is like. I don't know, there's some sort of humility and peace about the idea of thinking about dew on the grass and showers, mm-hmm. you know, rain shot. Like, sometimes we sleep with a sound machine on in our, like, mm-hmm. uh, the Calm app. Yeah. Not an ad. Well, I, well I, I've well, i been, I've had the campfire, you know, so, like, I get the crickets and the campfire burning. That's one of my favorites. But anyway, like, just the calm that that brings and the peace that that brings. Yeah. And then to, like... um have such a juxtaposition with the idea of also being a lion. Mm -hmm. And I think about how God's character is that of peace, but also of power. Yeah. And how that's just kind of, I don't know, that just is kind of brought out to me in this section. Because I think sometimes when you read this, when I first read it, I kind of, we kind of struggled with the idea of dew and rain and... (laughs) And yeah. also a lion that totally destroys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How can how can you be both of these things? Yeah, and it's like, well, look at God. Yeah, you know? right. Like, he's so full of power, uh, and yet he's also full of blessing. So it's no surprise that his people would 
be the same. Be the same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great way of looking at it and, and trying to understand it and process it. Yeah. Um, of what, what does this even mean? Yeah. Um, so you want to All right. Keep going? So I'm going to pick up in uh, verse 10. In that day, declares the Lord, I will destroy your horses from among you and demolish your chariots. I will destroy the cities of your land and tear down all your strongholds. I will destroy your witchcraft and you will no longer cast spells. I will destroy your carved images and your sacred stones from among you. You will no longer bow down to the work of your hands. I will uproot from among you your Asherah poles and demolish your cities. I will take vengeance and anger and wrath upon the nations that have not obeyed me. So after all of this, you know, <laughs> all of this hope that we've been talking about, um, to get into this section, you're like, what? You know, like, I what? thought we were destroyed. I thought we were fine. <laughs> Why are you destroying stuff? Okay, so it's important to understand what, what Yahweh is saying he's destroying. Um, in this case, you know, so like it, it leans with, uh, in that day, uh, I will cut off the horses from among you in the chariots. And notice each of these is in that like two-section pattern. So horses and chariots are paired together. It seems to make sense. Um, the idea here is that these are the things that, that they put their hope in. Um, in, the, the, in the past that they put their hope in. So... I'll go back um, to uh, Deuteronomy. So whenever they came out of Egypt uh, and after they're about to enter into the promised land, Moses in Deuteronomy, he's giving this big speech. Basically, he's telling them, hey, obey the Torah. Remember what God did for you and all this stuff. And so uh, he, in Deuteronomy, they're given provisions for you're going to go into the land and you're going to want a king just like everybody else. And so whenever that happens, that's fine. You can have a king. But this is what the king needs to do. He needs to remember his Torah and he needs to read it and, and know it. Um, and then he said, they say, uh, this is Deuteronomy seventeen sixteen. He says, except he may not make num numerous for himself horses. And he may not allow the people to go to Egypt in order to increase horses. For Yahweh has said to you that you may never, um, that you may never return. Um, and... Also, uh, and he must not acquire many wives for himself, so that his heart would be turned aside. And he must not accumulate silver and gold for himself excessively. So there's three things that are said. Don't go do these things. Your king can't do these things. Don't amass in horses, uh, which are, they're, they're a symbol of war. They're a symbol of power, military power primarily. Um, don't amass horses. You don't need them. Remember, Yahweh's your God. Uh, he's going to take care of things for you. You don't need huge military power. Yahweh's your God. Remember what he did to Egypt, who had who was the greatest military power. Um, also, don't accumulate a bunch of wives because they're you know uh, that's not going to be good for you. Um, and don't amass in gold and silver. So I can think of one dude who did all three of these things uh, and did it in in excess. Uh, which was Solomon. Um, so he started out things, things started out really well, but he did all three of these things. It was like almost, it's almost like this was set up, uh, you know, it's almost responding to what Solomon did, which was he amassed himself in, in horses. And so this is kind of a, it's important to understand what the horses are. This isn't your, you know, your paint or Tennessee Walker horse that is just like your beloved horse that you ride around from place to place. 
um, oh, you know, like your pet horse. That's not, it's yeah. not, yeah, your hobby. This isn't, that's not that kind of horse. Uh, this is, these are war horses. These mm-hmm. are things that, like for making war. The chariots are for making war. Um, and so the idea is that you put your hope in your military power. You don't need that anymore. You're Yahweh's. You know, like you're underneath Yahweh. Remember that? Remember Deuteronomy 17? Okay. So that's what. These things are in our mind whenever we're reading through this. Yeah, I think when you're reading through those first two parts of destroying the horses and the chariots and your cities and your strongholds, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, like... What did the horses do? (laughs) Yeah, and it feels feels very, like, opposite of what we just read. Mm -hmm. And then then you kind of realize, okay, cities and strongholds, like, that's not talking about the people. Right. That's talking about the things, the the power that they've put their hope in. Yeah, like Jericho with their walls. Mm-hmm. You know, they put their hope in defense with with their walls. And so the idea was that, you know, Yahweh brought that down. And yeah. so uh whenever Yahweh's at your back, you don't you don't need these fortifications and stuff. And so he's saying you don't you don't need any of that stuff anymore. Stop putting your hope in it. Yeah. Uh, you and put your hope in your your defenses. I think that becomes more obvious when you get to verse twelve of I will destroy your witchcraft and you will no longer cast spells. So no more Harry Potter. Yeah, right. Okay. So done. We're well, done with that. That was the only way that I could unlock the unlock the scriptures. It was like Alohomora, and everything's unlocked for me. Um, no. some people would have really bad. really bad problems. Oh yeah, I know. Like they're like, <laughs> uh, delete the podcast, delete the podcast, yeah, so guys. I'll, and he also does his every time he says that he does his little swish and flick fake wands yeah. movement. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, don't have sorcerers anymore, you know. But yeah. they they put their hopes in these things. Yeah. So that's one thing that Saul went for. Whenever, whenever uh, Saul was going off the deep end, uh, and Samuel had died, he goes and he seeks a sorcerer uh, to call Samuel back from the dead, you know, and have this conversation with him. Um, and so, and that's not a good thing. That's not something that was like highlighted as be like be like Saul. Yeah. Um, so these are things that they're putting their hope in whenever they're not putting their hope in Yahweh. Yeah. Uh, I think one uh, one part of this that's particularly relatable is you will no longer bow down to the work of your hands. Yeah. And just how much we tend to, um, what we do, our jobs and like our schooling, um, we tend to make that kind of something that we put our hope in. Mm-hmm. Um, because of what that might bring us financially or of what it means, you know, of like a pride thing, a power mm-hmm. thing. Um, yeah, I mean, they very much believed, you know, that th- those that worship, you know, different idols, it was like, well, this this idol brings me um, good crops. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is the God, this idol here represents the God of, of the harvest. Yeah. And so I'm going to bow down to this God so that I can develop. So I can have a good harvest. And so yeah. that's what they did. They sold out for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and just the same, we I think we bow down to the, the idol of education sometimes. We, down, yeah. we bow down to the idol of, of uh, you know, the job title of like what I'm trying to get to this point in my life. Oh, and then that'll, then that'll give me what I need. Mm-hmm. Um, and... So we we very much bow down to that and so yeah so like even though this feels like a negative section I do think it's it is kind of this idea of like you don't need these things mm-hmm. you need God right yeah you don't remember Yahweh's your king um, right and so he's already said you're gonna have this power of a lion 
like right. that he's given you. So like you don't need to go and try to make all these things for yourself. Right. And so and then the share poles, that's probably something that's not really well known to just normal readers. Uh as that's just that's one of the gods that are mentioned the ball the Baals and the Asherahs. They would erect these poles, um, and they would worship it. She was, um, you know, well known for fertility kind of goddess kind of thing, um, and so they uh, they would worship that, um, and you know, so it was saying I'm gonna get rid of that. But again, it's the same thing of like these idols, the things that you're worshiping that you think are bringing you prosperity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't need that anymore. Like yeah. all you need is me, um, and so and he's gonna execute vengeance on the nations who do not obey uh so that it's just i'm gonna bring my judgment on them we've we've already talked a lot about that judgment of what that looks like Mm -hmm. um so the idea here is that you know he's not going to he's not going to put up with us putting our hope in other things um and instead he's like hey put your hope in me you know this is it's me it's me that you're looking for Mm -hmm. um as opposed to these these worthless things um, so I guess the question is, is like, what, you know, what do you think, you know, from a, a person in Babylon, this, ha- this definitely has something that it, it pulls out for them. It gives them hope and a reminder of who Yahweh is and that he hasn't forgotten them and that he is going to bring them out of exile. And so the question I think for us is like, well, what does that look like for us? How do, you know, what is, what is our exile that we're supposed to see? in this and like what is it supposed to tell us about God what is it supposed to be, tell us about God relative to us like how he views us and what he's doing for us um so I guess I'll leave that question to you what are your thoughts on that I guess thinking about it of just um like especially being able to see <clears throat> the end when Jesus ultimately comes um just like a reminder that God does keep his promises mm-hmm. and that um, it's not always going to be this way. I think you go back to, to the last chapter and think about the labor pains again and, yeah. and reading this and um, with the thought that we did just read about the labor pains of that there is definitely like a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. That there's definitely hope. And... um just kind of that all we need is is Jesus and Jesus' people. Yeah, yeah, and to look to, we need to look to that king, the one that's here that, that is uh, from the, you know, from Judah, uh, born in Bethlehem, um, and that his victory, you know, he he gained victory over all of the darkness, um, and, but he submitted to it. Um on our behalf, he submitted to the darkness, and through it, uh, he overcame it and came out the other side. And so that we might enter into the darkness and come out the other side. Uh, that we, you know, that we're, I mean, that's what our baptism represents, is that going down into the chaos uh, and rising up from it new. Um, just like the Messiah, so us. Um, and I think that, you know, like, we, we put our hope in that. We put our hope in this king um, that... You know, this exile that we're feeling right now, you know, it feels dark. You know, it feels like, you know, some really scary things are going on. You know, people are being afraid of different stuff. And it's like, you know, I think Yahweh is calling us to remember him and say Mm -hmm. like, hey, your hope is not in your 
you know, like health professionals are awesome, and like the things yeah. that they're doing are amazing. Um, I, I don't want to demean that in any way, but the idea is that like you know we put our hope in those types of things so often uh, that like you know we're not putting our hope in Yahweh and his his character, and that he you know that he is going to see us out the other side, um, you know, one way or another. Um, and I I think that's what it's calling us to is to to do that. You have any other thoughts, and then I'm gonna kind of close it out. Um, just kind of reading fifteen again of I will take vengeance and anger and wrath upon the nations that have not obeyed me. Like, I think I just kind of had like a aha moment of thinking about how Jesus takes that vengeance mm-hmm. and anger upon the nate like he's the one who comes in and takes all of that vengeance for us yep and um so again something that i have tended to read in a negative way of actually realizing that like this is a representation of what jesus right has done Yah- yahweh himself takes on that judgment Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where that whenever whenever the gospel authors would say that the dark you know that the sun grew dark, and the earth quaked. That's mm-hmm. day of the Lord imagery. All of that's yeah. day of the Lord imagery. And so, I think what they're hinting at is that all of this is poured out on on the Messiah, mm-hmm. uh, the suffering servant of Isaiah, uh, forty through fifty five. Is this this guy i mean it's it's yahweh in the flesh who takes on he takes it on mm-hmm. uh and accepts it for those that will just turn um for those that will turn to yahweh that he takes on the vengeance that they deserved um and so it i mean it it's kind of a loop it's like how how does that work well I, it's really hard to put our to put our head around it but it's like Yahweh took Yahweh's vengeance, you know, it's yeah. like Yahweh in the flesh took it on and took on that wrath so that we might not have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's the, that's the point there. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, I'm going to close with this just because I think it's so beautiful and it's so in line with things that are going on right now, uh, as well as I think in line with what we're seeing in the story of yeah. thinking about exiles in Babylon, yeah. uh, that are reading about this hope, uh, you know this this story just seems so in line with it. Full circle and, back to our favorite yeah. So quote. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. Um, this is uh, this is Sam again. It says, but in the end, it's only a passing thing. This shadow, even darkness must pass. A new day will come, and when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you, that meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now. Folk in these stories had lots of chances of turning back. Only they didn't. Because they were holding on to something. That there's something good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. Mm 